RadioInfluence.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Another edition of The Rock Stops here. Who who do I have today? Who's made it to the top? How did they do it? Uh, I got a good one. And what a good guy. Uh, you know, I had not met him until we did this podcast. I had limited time. I take what I can get. I'm very thankful for him to come on The Rock Stops here. I'm talking about Peter Schrager. You see him on Good Morning Football on NFL Network in the mornings. Uh, he's on Fox Sports. He's on the Colin Coward Show. You see him on Dan Patrick. He's on the sidelines for NFL games for Fox, the senior writer for FoxSports.com. He's worked for GQ, a lot of different publications, and he's also worked behind the scenes that I didn't know. Uh, and he's a successful author. He's written a couple of books. He tells one story in this podcast on how it all came about. And you just, I think we can all take advice from this, wherever you are. You never know when you wake up today, when you wake up tomorrow, you never have any idea on who's going to be watching, who might just see what you're doing. And all of a sudden an opportunity can come your way. And that's what happened for him. Now he put himself in a good position, but anyway, he'll get into it. I, again, really, really good guy. I figured he was like that, and it turned out to be that way. I've also got a couple of stories. There's one thing that's on my mind. I just can't I, I can't take it anymore. Now, if you know me, you know that I've been in TV and radio for 30-some years, daily content, until the last, what, two years. Now, I have a podcast once a week, but it kills me. Sometimes there's something that comes up that I may have an inkling about, I know, and I'm dying to go on the air and I got to, you know, and I don't want to do timely stuff on podcasts because, you know, the news cycle. What is it, 24 hours? Maybe 48 hours? It doesn't last a week. Whatever I talk about today on a topic, it's going to be old news next week. But I got to get this off my chest. And it's concerning the Bucks and Brady and, and Arians. And you, you know, I was there for the practices this year. And in the, and, you know, uh, just stick around for that. But without further ado, let me welcome in a good dude, a successful dude. He's still on that rise, that climb. The one, the only. Man, I was happy that he did this for me. Peter Schrager. Ah, oh, the great Peter Schrager. You are so busy. You are so successful. This podcast that I do is How You Made It to the Top. Congratulations, you've made it to the top. Well, if I'm on the podcast, I appreciate it. I know your work, and I appreciate you asking me to come on, man. What do you think is the secret to your success, Peter Schrag? Not being an asshole. I try to tell everybody, be a good person. It's so hard in this business anyway. It's beyond just being not a good person. It's not being an asshole. Going out of your way to treat people right, look them in the eyes and say thank you and you're welcome. And along the way, making sure those people know how much you appreciate it. Uh, I can't tell you how many people in our industry ask me, how'd you get to where you are? And they want to go through my internships and... No, it's because I made a few friends along the way and I've always been open and candid and nice. So I don't think I'm at the top of anything yet. I think I'm still climbing, but uh, my message to everyone young is produce your own content, be yourself, be authentic, but most importantly on the way up. And if there is a way up, don't be an asshole. 
You know what I noticed too? Like you're very good on TV and you come across great. You're good on the sidelines, but you also have a writing background and a lot of young people, they just want to see stardom, but writing is very important. Is it not? I spent 20 years as a writer. I was a freelance writer and then I was a writer for foxsports.com. Then I wrote for magazines and even in TV, I used to be the editorial guy on a lot of these shows inside the NFL, uh, Chris Collinsworth and James Brown and Phil Sims. I was the editorial guy, just helping them on the back end, writing things, helping them um, and putting things into prompters. So I think writing is huge, but you're right. Everyone wants to be famous and in Instagram and YouTube world and all this thing, maybe that is famous to me. I still get a kick of seeing my name in print. And I think it's the most important trait in what I do. I write every day. Any of these takes you see on good morning football are me writing out my thoughts beforehand and delivering them. And it's, it's not a script per se, but it's here. Let me put my thoughts down on paper and be creative with it. So hundred percent, I think writing is so important. How much different is it being on the sidelines uh, for a game and then doing the studio work that you do? Uh, great question. Being on the sidelines is where you get the access and I can give a firsthand story and I can say I was there and I spoke with the quarterback after the game or I saw this happen on the sideline. But in the studio, you get a chance to have a captive audience and uh, there's actual conversation and there's reactions and you got to be on your feet. You don't know where it's going. And I, I prefer the studio to the sidelines. And yet I say that. And when I get back on the sidelines, there's a tingle to be in the building. There's nothing like it. I know you're busy. This is my last, my last one. What is, what is the, is there one moment in your career, whether it's journalism, whether it's on TV, whether it's on a show that really just stands out to you, Peter? Yes. And it was an opportunity. And I, I tell this story to a lot of people, um, to, you never think these opportunities are going to happen, but if you got a minute, here's the story. (laughs) Uh, Giants are on this crazy Super Bowl run in 2011, and they've got this star player who no one had ever heard of named Victor Cruz. And it's 2011, he's doing the salsa dance and all this, and I was working for GQ magazine, and they sent me to do a quick thing. I went to the MetLife. We did a five-minute interview like this, just five minutes, two of us, and never thought anything of it. I wrote up an article. It was for the website, not even for the magazine. Goes up online. Don't think anything of it. It was about Victor Cruz, who's from Patterson, New Jersey. He's a local hero. Whatever. It was nothing. Uh, three months later, they win the Super Bowl. He's at the parade and he gets all these marketing opportunities. And Victor Cruz, who was 25 at the time, and I was, you know, older, um, gets offered a book deal and he's offered six figures to do a book uh, about his life. And he's a 25 year old kid who wants to hear from, but he had a story to tell. And they asked him, you know, okay, here's how it goes. Here's how we do. We have 20 different writers that you can choose from. This guy's written books with Lance Armstrong. This one's written books with Agassi. And this one here has done books with Strahan. And Victor Cruz, a 25-year-old kid said, you know, there was a guy who interviewed me. We had a good time for GQ.com earlier this year. Can we meet with him? The publishers who are professionals had no idea who I was. The, the Victor's people were like, no, 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 no. These are the book people. I'd never written a book. And I sat with Victor and he was like, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with the person who's writing my book. And I kind of like spending time with this guy. Uh, And he chose me as a 20, he changed my life forever. And I was nearly 10 years older than him. And he changed my life forever and was like, Hey, you're the guy. And my story that I would tell to anybody and say, the light goes on. No assignment is too small. No opportunity. If you're told, Hey, I need you to go do this, do this, do this. And you're kicking yourself saying, Hey, but I want to be on and doing this, this, and this treat everything as if it's, the Super Bowl because you don't know what door it's going to open and who you meet along the way. And Victor Cruz, I owe my entire career for, for giving a chance for me, but I actually 
think it was my own like treatment of that situation of saying, Hey, he's been interviewed by 500 people, but how am I going to make mine differently? And then here we are 10 years later. I saw that you read two books, uh, wrote two books and I didn't know that's how one going forward. Do you have a bucket list? Do you just want to keep trying to do the best that you can at all of your gigs? Cause you, you do a lot, man. And your, your schedule's crazy. You know, I, I had dinner with a, a, a gentleman who works for the Packers and he says, what's next? This is last night at the combine. And I said, does it sound too hokey or too humble or too, uh, to say, I kind of like what I'm doing. You know, like I, I want to appreciate everyone. Like the media landscape is changing. Like we're doing this right now on a podcast and you know, you're like, Hey, Tampa Bay, but your audience it's nationwide. It's every like go. And you know, to me live day by day, especially after this pandemic, like I'm so grateful to be employed and to have these opportunities that I, I would be, it would be hubris for me to say, no, my actual intention is to do I love what I do. And every day I realize how lucky I am. So I'm good. You're as cool as you are on. I figured everybody says that, Peter. Thank you. I loved it, man. Thank you for having me. That was really cool. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. Yeah, he, he is a really good guy. I, you just kind of get that feeling when you see him on air, and it turned out to be that way and even more. Now, what I really liked about what he said at the beginning on what is his secret to success, don't be an asshole. Yeah, you got to work hard. You got to be talented. What have I been saying for so long? I had a chance to talk with a group of University of Tampa students uh, a couple of months ago. And that's my main, my main thing. Be a, don't be a jerk. Because look, the business is so hard anyway. It's so competitive. There's so many guys and girls that want to be TV stars or be on radio or be a YouTube star or, you know, this and that. But if you are a jerk, your chances diminish. They go way down. It's like in life. Do you want to hang out with a jerk off? Do you? Do you want to hang out with an asshole? No. Now, when you're younger, it might be a little bit different. You know, you don't know any better. You don't know how to pull back. You're worried about peer pressure and all that stuff. But as you get older, nobody wants to be around a jerk or, as Peter Schrager said, an asshole. And I, when he said that, I'm like, oh, bam, that's what I've been saying. So I thought that that was great. He's on the rise. Uh, I didn't have much time. I'm thankful for the time that I had. And I hope to see you again, Peter Schrager. And I'm sure I will. And... Man, oh man, oh man. And see, there's a lot of behind the scenes that he's done. How about him writing and with those big names and, and you know, but here's the thing. He got that opportunity. Like you never know when you wake up, you never know tomorrow when you wake up who you may run into, who you, who you might get an opportunity to do something with. And when you get that opportunity, you got to run with it. You got to grab it by the bizalls, you know? And it was interesting, that whole thing with the salsa dancer, the former New York giant, that giant player, he liked Peter. No, I don't want all these other guys to rub him, but I want him. I want him. And he said it changed his life. Jane Slater, NFL Network. She said she was toiling and didn't know if she's going to get out of the business and the rejection. She got let go by a radio station. She was doing news for so many years and she's like, ah. and then she got an opportunity and she got the call from NFL network, changed her life. You just never know, but you got to be ready when that opportunity comes. 
But I just love that. I love these stories. So, Peter, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, now, I got to get this off my chest. I don't do topical uh, top sports on the podcast, The Rock Stops Here, because it's once a week. I have a hard time getting used to this. Look, for 30 years, I've been daily, daily radio, daily TV, and doing something once a week, it, it, it kills me, man. It crushes me. And so I can't do anything current because it'll be outdated. What's the news cycle? 24, 48 hours? After that, it's old news. But I, I'm going to break my, break my habit on this one, and I, I've got to get this off my chest. It's on the Brady versus Arians Buccaneers situation. Now, if you know me, I was at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all year. I was there for training camp. I was there for OTAs. I was there all season. I was there for the majority of practices uh, when Arians would speak. I was there every Thursday when Brady would come speak. There was no more Zooms. We got to actually ask questions and follow up. And you're, you're right there seeing the eye to eye and you're watching practice and you're observing. And so that was wonderful. I never saw anything that would indicate that Brady and Arians were not getting along and fighting. Now, Todd Bowles who got the gig, okay? He's now the head coach. He did a little uh, thing with local reporters, media scrum, after the press conference the other day. And he said, when I go to practice, I know where everybody is sitting, where everybody is standing, where each one of you guys in the media is. And I would notice Bowles. He would sit on the top of a big garbage can or a, a blocking dummy. He would sit there. Sometimes Lori Locust, one of the assistant defensive line coaches, would come on, over and talk. And and he was being very observant. So he goes, I see everything that goes on. And all year, I never saw anything. Now, yes, Bowles and Arians are tight. They, they go back to the Temple days. So that's his guy. He also is not going to throw Brady under the bus if there was some tension between Brady and Arians and it came from Brady because that's his quarterback now. He's got to win. It didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't work out with the New York Jets. So he's got to have a, a good relationship with Brady, but he talks with Brady. He would ask him about a defense, about an opposing defense that Brady's going to go up against. Uh, but what about this offense, this and that, blah, 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 blah. So he goes, he talks with Brady. He didn't see anything. So this, this, bullshit stuff about Arians is such an asshole and and Brady couldn't stand him and he wanted out so much and this and that and the Miami thing. Listen, I'm not at liberty to tell you what I was told by somebody that was talking to one of the Glaziers, the owners of the Bucks at the NFL owners meetings and it was at the party. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention that, but all I can tell you is upper management ownership of the Buccaneers. They're like, look, we can't keep track of everything. If Brady did talk with Miami or talk with Stephen Ross or uh, all we know is we got him. He's ours. He called us and said, I want to come back and I want to play for the Bucks. And we, and here we go. And we, we, he wants to win a Super Bowl. All right. There's that. Maybe, maybe there is something to the report that uh, they were going to make him an owner of the, talking about Brady, going to make him an owner of the Dolphins, or uh, Sean Payton was going to come out of retirement and, uh, and, and and coach the Dolphins, and Brady was going to be the owner and the quarterback and all that. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. But this thing that Brady hates Arians and that Arians isn't a good coach, oh, Arians had Peyton Manning. Oh, he's going to be good. Oh, he had Luck. Oh, he had Roethlisberger. Oh, he's got the GOAT. Yeah! 
Yeah, those quarterbacks are going to make you good. Hell yeah. But look at his track record. He was coach of the year of the Indianapolis when the head coach had cancer and he came in. Look, I like him, man. He seems to be a pretty damn straight shooter to me. Now, does he delegate? Yes. Does he put in maybe as many hours as some other NFL coaches? No, he doesn't. Okay. This, there was a report out that, oh, Brady was all pissed off and so was Leftwich because when Bruce uh, tore his Achilles that he would rehab in the facility in the morning and he wasn't there. And then Arians finally had to address that and said, this is bullshit. I never rehab my ankle in the morning at the facility. Bullshit report. Like, there's so much stuff that is thrown out there. Now, I am going to say this, because this is what's been on my mind and has been eating away at me. There is something fishy about the way Arians was so gung-ho, Bruce was so gung-ho of coming back to coach, and then he steps down. Now, is it important for him to give a chance for his guys to be his successor? Yes, I believe that. He's mentioned that many a time. Did he want uh, either Leftwich or Bowles, in this way Bowles is more experienced, to be the next head coach? Yes. He even said, hey, man, I was only going to coach one more year this year. And if we finish 10-7, and seven, I'm out then my guy doesn't even get a chance. He'll be open to interviews, and I don't know if he's going to get a chance. Okay, I believe that. But what I find strange, something is amiss. I went to the NFL owner, uh, the NFL, or was that the NFL owners meetings? The NFL combine in Indy, okay? I was standing right in front of Bruce Arians in the hallway at that convention center with about six or seven other local media. I was standing right in front of uh, GM Jason Light. There was only six or seven, an informal thing. And Arians kept saying how he really relishes this opportunity to start and build a roster. And it's great. Look at Cyril Grayson, he said. Who knew about him? We saw something in him. Our coaching staff worked with him. Look what he became. We, we'll see a guy over here. Hey, maybe we can get this guy. Now, he did talk up Gabbard and Trask because they didn't know at the time at the Combine that they were going to get Brady. I even asked Bruce Arians at that big press conference at the facility. Remember that? They were streaming that thing. And I said, Bruce, what happened a couple of weeks ago at the NFL Combine? You were all excited. Going to coach either Trask or Gabbard, at quarterback, some of these younger guys. And now you're stepping back a couple weeks later. What happened? What changed? And Arians goes, I had to be excited at that time. But he was also asked on the side, did you think about retiring once Brady retired? And he said, no, hell no. No, I was, I am coming back for this year. So how can you be gung-ho, I'm not retiring, even without the GOAT, I'm coming back for this year. And then in just a couple of weeks, you step down, you, you, you get Brady, you get the goat back. You got a chance for another ring. But now you're going to step away. I'm going to give it to Todd. It, it's There's something else. Now, we were at the NFL annual meeting. They used to call it the owner's meetings. And we were going to the local media that was there. We were going to get Bruce Arians. I got the whole thing in writing. It's going to be on Tuesday morning at like 845 or something like that. 
great. And then we get word on Monday evening, we're going to get Joel Glazier, the owner. And then it was like, look, Bruce had to leave. He had to leave the meetings. It's not health. It's personal. And we appreciate you guys not reporting that. It's just between us, like seven or eight of us. Okay. Everybody abide by it. But it was, it was strange. And then it turned out he did have some type of bug. He didn't want to get anybody sick. I don't think it was COVID. Um, okay. All right. All right. I, but, but you told him it was personal. And then it was like, he did have some type of, we weren't really sure. And he left. And then it was a little bit while later that it was announced that he was stepping down and Todd Bowles is going to be the head coach. So I'm just saying there is something, something is not right. You don't do it at this time. Something isn't right. But I just think this, it's overblown here. And one more point, and then I'm going to get on a couple of stories, but all right, let's, all right, let me say I'm going to believe a Mike Florio pro football talk, or I'm going to believe some of these other national guys that are not here, okay? And that Brady could not stand Arians. Let's just say hypothetical. I'm trying to keep my mind open. All right, let's say Brady said, I'll come back if it's not uh, Arians. Let's just say, that's what everybody thinks outside of Tampa Bay. All right. Then do you think that the Glaciers and Jason Light, do you think if Brady says, I can't work with him anymore, I'll come back, but not him. Do you think they would give him a job as consultant? Do you think they would give him an office in the facility? Do you think they would pay him to still be there? Do you think that they would allow him to walk through the locker room and be on the practice field every day with Brady? If Brady said, I'm not coming back for him. You see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? That is such horseshit that they would just say, Bruce, we appreciate what you've done. We appreciate what you've done with minority hiring. You gave females a full-time opportunity. What you've done with your foundation, what success you helped bring us a Super Bowl. But you know what? We're going to go in a different direction. It's time, Bruce. Something like that, but we appreciate. But no. And then Arians even said, so man, they're paying me. I got an office. I'm going to get to go to practice. He even said, when I walk through the locker room, I'm not going to be police. So do you see what I'm saying? If Brady couldn't stand him that much and the only stipulation for him to come back was you got to get rid of Arians, they wouldn't have given him this gig that he's still going to be around. Oh, I, you know, I just had to get that off my chest and I'm going to do my digging. Maybe we'll, I will probably know more as time goes on. We'll probably never know. But all I know is the goat is back and Arians has a job and he's going to be there. Okay. And he's going, and then boy, all of a sudden to put him in the ring of honor, just within like just because he's stepping down right now, right now you put him in the ring of honor. And listen, I'm an Arians guy. Like I like Arians. He's pretty, he's pretty straight shooter. I like him. Just the whole thing is there. I God dang it. I'm going to work my ass off to try to find out more for you guys. All righty. All righty. All righty. I got a little worked up there. Sorry. 
Uh, baseball season is here. I got to go in a clubhouse the last day of spring training at Port Charlotte, Florida. That was neat. That was kind of neat. It's going to be really cool to go inside the NFL locker room, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or wherever. Maybe I'll get a gig nationally reporting somewhere. I hope so. But it's just, uh, you know, it's it's something else, man. I mean, for t- over two, two years, two and a half years, it went from nothing. There, remember when there weren't any sports? And then we started getting sports back and sports with no fans. And then Zoom, Zoom. I can't stand Zoom. I, I've made it known, but you know, you got to do Not everything in life you're going to love, so you got to do it. But it's so, it's not personal. It's, I mean, it's so, mm, Zoom. And so here we are. I drive down to Port Charlotte. We get to go in the clubhouse. And in baseball, it's hurry up and wait. You know, you're waiting for guys to finish their workout, finish doing whatever they do, and then the, the shower and all that. You're just waiting long, waiting, waiting, waiting. But it was cool. It was very cool. We spoke to a catcher, Mike Zanino. Couldn't have been nicer. One of my favorites now, his name is Josh Fleming. He's a left-handed pitcher. He didn't know if he was going to make the club. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. And Kiermaier came by, made kind of a joke. You know, hey, guys, you're going to talk to me with my oppo opposite field hit and just kind of laughing. And it was just like, wow, seeing the clubhouse guys folding the towels, getting stuff ready, seeing how many lockers were empty with name tags on. Because in baseball, when you first start, you got a, you got like the minor leaguers, major leaguers. You got so many in camp. Uh, it was kind of cool. I was talking to the new PR person for the Tampa Bay Rays. He came from the NBA. He was with the Memphis Grizzlies. I think he said he did the Orlando Magic for a little bit. And he's like, it's so different. There were so many. He just got this gig. And he's like, I went into a clubhouse and like with minor leaguers and major leaguers and they're all there together. And there were so many. I was like, I was overwhelmed because in the NBA, how many guys you got on a roster? You know what I mean? It's going to be, it's going to be a little transition, but it was so good to be able to talk to somebody you know, and get in his answer and follow up and just like see them in eye contact. And all right, thank you very much, man. Uh, it doesn't mean anything to you, but just getting back to normal. Oh my God, it feels good. It really, 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 really does. Um, now this weekend, and this will already have passed, when this plays, I'm watching my daughter. Now, my daughter is going to be 13, year old, 13 years old. Sometimes she acts a lot older, sometimes younger. And I got her this weekend. My wife is flying out to a family function in Maryland. And it's the first time really that I'm just by myself with Addie. But at 13 or 12 and a half, 12 and three quarters, it's a piece of cake. The only thing is to try to get her off of her phone and do a few things without being on. But she's got a show, this big performance that she's in, and and da 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 da. But it's different when they're really, really little. Guys, I don't know about you. Being a mother does not come natural. God, I have so much respect for mothers. Mothers just, oh my God. Even when today, when I'll see some mother pushing a stroller, well, she's got two or three kids and she's balancing everything and doing everything. They're just, 
They're so special. God love mothers. Oh my God. I remember when my son Hunter, who is now 24, he's going to be 25. I was divorced to my ex and that's all Hunter's ever known. I got her pregnant. We're trying to make a comeback. Didn't work, blah, blah, blah. So that's all he's ever known. And when I would have Hunter, when he was little, 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 it was, I did the best that I could. (laughs) It was heartwarming and at times overwhelming. Like I would be exhausted after a weekend. I don't know how my ex-wife did it. (laughs) I would be exhausted. (laughs) We would play. We would do things from the time I got him from Friday until I dropped him back off Sunday afternoon. And then I would head into work. And it was funny because anytime I used to, when I worked at Bain is not, I would get into work either on a Saturday, Sunday after having Hunter a whole time, or I used to pick him up after school, drop him off. I got to see him every day. When he was real little, I brought him to school. I drove it to Pasco, blah, blah, blah. But when I would pull into work at like 345, I would always be like, <sighs> now I'm at work. And I remember there was the chief engineer, uh, the chief of, was he chief of photography? Or something? She was a female. And she'd be like, what are you doing sighing? I'm like, ah, I'm just, rela- I'm, now I'm relaxed. She goes, you're relaxed just getting to work for your eight, 10 hour shift? And she didn't have any kids at the time. That changed. She's like, oh my God, I'm not relaxed. Like, I'm relaxed. And like, I'm just laughing. So now, watching my daughter this weekend, she basically, she functions on her own. You know, it's just, but it's just so different when they're little. So any of you dads out there, especially single fathers, oh my God, single mothers. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. I can try. I can, I do my best and however to keep track of everything. I had to have my wife text me or email me everything that's going on this weekend just to, just to make sure I'm doing everything right. Make sure she's got her snacks and water for this. You're picking up all over this, drop her off here for the bus. You're at this performance here. She's got this. Oh, she's got a zoom thing for this. Here's the link (laughs) here. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how any mothers do it. Anytime I'll hear about a, a dad talking about a, the family, he's like, I don't know, my wife keeps the family together. She runs the show. <laughs> well, I don't think we're cut out. I know I'm not cut out. I don't know how, 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 how. All righty. Uh, oh, 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 oh. One more, a couple more things. I forgot to mention this last week. Now, last week on the Rock Stops here, I told you about my road trip from where I live in Pinellas County to Palm Beach. Oh my God, there was so much money in Palm Beach. I've never seen anything like it. I think there's more money in Palm Beach than there is in Beverly Hills. It was unbelievable. But I stopped in the middle of this, well, kind of the middle of the trip in Okeechobee, Florida. And you go through, if you cut through the middle of Florida, now there's so much building going on in Florida and everybody's moving down here, but they ain't moving to this middle of the state. And you go through these little towns. I'm talking about little towns. And I'm like, wow, I I get not wanting to have neighbors as you get older as a guy and, you know, having your space and all that. But I could not live in these little, little, little towns where there's nothing. And I I forgot to tell you this because I kind of wrote it down when I was driving. I went through one of these little towns in the middle of Florida. And 
I was going slow and there was a light up ahead. So I was coming up and I was going slow and I looked and it was right in the, like a main street where you blink and you're through main street. And I looked over to my left as I was driving bumfuck Florida. And there was a house with the picture window and it was just turning night evening. It was night. They had their Christmas tree up with their lights on. You are talking end of March. Who still has their Christmas tree up with lights? This little town, whoever lived in this house. I was like, holy shit. I remember there was a a friend of mine in New Jersey. He was a rocker. He was a construction worker. He and his wife were great. They were my friends. They were partiers back in Jersey. And they kept their Christmas tree until February. And that thing was like, oh my God, it was dead. I mean, it was, it was, the pine needles were falling. I mean, and that, that, that made me laugh. End of March with your Christmas tree in bumfuck. <laughs> there was something else that I forgot. I wanted to tell you through this little town. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I tried to write that down. I, I don't want to share with a piece of paper because I was just driving. I forgot. Just un- unbelievable. It's just like a different, different, different type of place. You know, last week was the Masters and Tiger Woods, it really, he, he his mindset is just so different from you and me and anybody that even you've known that's competitive. He's on such a different level. He almost died. And, you know, he was in that car crash. Yes, he was speeding. Yes, it was his fault. All that jazz. He just about died. He could have lost both legs. There were, I wrote it all down somewhere. There was fractures, display, a bunch of fractures, uh, two fractures in the right leg, a shattered ankle, almost lost the legs, could have lost two legs and all that. And no one thought that he would ever play again, especially on the tour. And what he was able to do, it's incredible. And Jim Nance, Mr. CBS, said that he did an interview in February, which isn't that long ago, with Tiger. And he thought at the time, there's no way he's going to be able to play. And they had the, they had it set up. It was going to be in the afternoon. And Tiger like tried to push it a little bit longer, a little bit later in the day. And okay, and they did it. And he had said... Even after like trying to practice, he did a four-hour workout, four-hour workout, and then took a shower and did it. And Jim Nance said he's at a different realm, a different level. Like these greats of the greats, like a Brady, like a Michael Jordan, they're just on a different level. I can even bring this down a couple of notches. A couple of years ago, I was hanging with this Brian Nasty Knobs, uh, and I'm meaning to call him. I keep telling myself I really got to check on him. He had a major, major, major health scare. I haven't seen anything. I'm hoping he's just slowly recovering. But he was part of the Nasty Boys WWE tag team with Sags, and he used to have this school, Nastyville School of Wrestling. I used to work out at this place every day, and I'd be over there a lot. I was kind of hanging with him. And he was a good dude. And there was another guy that I got to meet there. He's been on the podcast, Steve Chamberland. He he was a coach. He was a, at, at Nastysville School of Wrestling. He knew wrestling. He had one leg. 
He lost his leg in a motorcycle accident. He's from Massachusetts, a badass and a great guy. And he's turned his life around. He, you know, he's, he's just a good guy. And he, his organization is 50 legs, 50 legs.org. He tries to get legs for those that have lost their legs, especially kids. And it's his passion. He's a good dude. And I remember working out in this place. It was a place that was going to eventually close down. They let knobs have an, a space with a ring so he could train these uh, wrestlers that wanted to be wrestlers. And Steve Chamberlain used to work out hard. He was strong. He got to know Hogan. He was doing Hulk Hogan's workout. So I was going in. I was working out, but I don't, I don't, I don't pump a lot of iron. You know what I mean? I do enough to just to stay in shape. And we knew of a Tampa Bay Buccaneer football player, defensive lineman. And he became friends with knobs, mostly Steve Chamberlain, blah, blah, blah. He loved pro wrestling. He got in the ring a couple of times. He was going down to TNA when Hogan was there and in Orlando and all this. And he just loved wrestling. And I know he loved flair. I love flair. And, uh, when Steve Chamberlain, now Steve Chamberlain worked out hard. He was built. He was, he was, he was ripped. He was strong. But when Chamberlain would work out with this Buccaneer defensive lineman, he was like that NFL player. He takes it up another level that you and I would not understand. And Steve was like, damn, you work out so hard. You put so much effort into it. You do so many reps. You do how hard you work out. And he's like, you know, how do you do it? He's like, well, man, when I was growing up, my father really wasn't around. I think about that with my father. I do that. I do whatever I can in my mind to help me like really push through. And like, so that's on a much, much, much lower level. Like that's an NFL player, how he works out. Now you go to a Tiger Woods or you do what a Brady does or a Jordan. These just... It's just incredible, man. And they've got more money than you know what to do with. You know, it's not, you can be rich and famous. Can you imagine if you had, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even a billion dollars, and you still would dedicate yourself to eating so right and working out so hard hours of the day? It's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's incredible. And, you know, when I saw that, when I saw that with Tiger and what he's able to do and come back. And then, for don't forget, he had, was it four or five, ba five back surgeries <coughs> to have that torque? I mean, five back, if you had five back surgeries, would you be working out that hard? And, you know, we forget about that. And then I went to his leg. He had ACL. He ruptured his Achilles. All that stuff. So the, the bottom line is, man, you got to stop making excuses. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I got to, my ligament hurts. Oh, I'm getting older. Oh, this and that. Like, look, man, plod, plod through it, plow through it. And you'll be surprised. You know, I'm lucky that I actually have time now. I make sure that I'm, I, I enjoy going because you're not rushing uh, to get there. All righty. Um, let's, 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 let, let, let's end it on this. You know, baseball season is here. Baseball is a sport to be played outdoors, not inside a dome, but living here in Florida for at least six months for the baseball season, 
Yeah, the month of April, you can get away with it. You got to have air conditioning. We are soft in this generation. You know, a couple of generations passed. There were, they lived, people lived in Florida without air conditioning. I don't know how they did it. If your air conditioning is broke in the summer, see how long you can last. It's the humidity. When Brian Baldinger from NFL Network was here in August, and he goes, this is soup. I remember he was telling me, this is soup with the humidity. I'm like, yeah, that's, is that what you call it? Whatever you want to call it, that's what it is. And I get this argument, you know, the trop is a dump. It is with the palaces that they are building these days. Yeah. (laughs) You could use a lot, not a, a lot nicer facility, but to not have a covered roof, a closed uh, oh, the Florida State League. You know, the Florida State League, it's a high A league. You know, they play outdoors. All right. What are you paying for parking, Florida State League? Five bucks, 10 bucks? What are you paying for a ticket? 10 bucks? If you're going to pay major league prices for concessions, $12, $14 beer, you know, $20 parking, $100 or $40, $50, $60 a ticket, you got two kids and a wife. I got to have air conditioning in Florida. I'm not going to sit in 93 degrees and 88% humidity. I don't know about you, you know? And right now it's bearable, but no, they need a new facility. And, but you got to have air conditioning. I'm sorry, man. You know, I, I, this open air stadium thing and, you know, I mean, it is so stinking hot. And I will tell you this, I've been to Fenway and I've been to Wrigley and those are shrines, but are you telling me they are fancy? The seats, the, the inside, it's old, it's decrepit, man, but I know it's history. I get it. But it just cracks me up. So many people, you know, the Trump is such a dump. Well, you know what? When those afternoon thunder showers come and here comes that lightning and it, it is teeming down. I've so many years I've been covering batting practice and you can hear it hitting the roof and you can hear the lightning and the thunder boomers and boom outside and I'm inside and it's 72 degrees and I'm dry as a bone in air conditioning. Damn, it feels good. And you know what else feels good? To be talking to you guys once a week. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. And there you go. All right. My thanks to Peter Schrager. I got a couple of other good guests lined up, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And remember what I'm telling you. If you hear that Brady refused to come back without Arians, that's overblown. But where there's smoke, there's fire. There is something amiss about the whole situation. And I'm going to do my damnedest to find out. All right. Thank you, Peter Schrager. I'll talk to you next week, guys. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.